Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 489 of Linux in the Hamshack. This is our short topics episode, so thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you all being here. And before we dive into our short topics for this week, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. All right, so the gang is all here. Yay! Cheryl was not here for the last one. It was the last one, right? Yes. All right. Because it was our it was our deep dive. <laughs> our chit our Deep chit, dive, yes. Yes, the chit chat with the uh, M seventeen folks. So hopefully everybody got a chance to listen to that. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time. And we even put out some what I think is useful information. Doesn't always happen, but sometimes it does. So let's see what we have. Apparently this is a slow news week in the worlds of amateur radio and open source, but we did dig around and find a few things. So we don't have a lead topic for this evening. We're just going to get right into our amateur radio short topics, and we'll let Bill go ahead and start with the first one. Yeah, and this one comes from a blog post entitled, Is This the Beginning of the End for CWDXing? Question mark. Uh, I love reading Dan KB6NU's commentary on the hobby and his latest blog post regarding a discussion on the CW Ops mailing list about seeing more FT4 and FT8 and D-Expeditions. Uh, I love Dan's uh, response to comments, uh, sorry, Dan's comment where he states, uh, quote, if people get their kicks from operating FT8, then more power to them. It's funny when you think about it. We CW operators often say that one reason for operating CW is that it's easier to work the DX on CW than phone. So I guess it's a bit hypocritical to badmouth FT8 just because FT8 makes it even easier to work DX. And, uh, end quote. And, uh, that kind of got me thinking to like the next, the next step. And I think I mentioned this to, uh, you, Rust, uh, when we were talking about, uh, this particular article, uh, I think over a cigar or something like that last week. Uh, you know, what is this really like? <clears throat> could this be something where, there's not really a need for manned de-expeditions. Could this go a little bit further and see the lack of the need to send people and equipment to these remote far-off places? And why not send a bot that deploys a multiple-banded FT-8 and Starlink and runs until the batteries stop charging from the sun? Would you be interested in working a bot? And our favorite question, is is this real ham radio? <laughs> so <laughs> I just thought it'd be, uh, I thought it'd be, uh, you know, interesting to go like just a little bit further. If people are kind of complaining that there's FT8 on these D expeditions, which I, I don't really care one way or the other. 
I think I worked one just recently, um, just out of happenstance. Um, yeah. How far can we go on this? And does it, does it really impact the legitimacy of, uh, working the context, uh, the context in these, uh, far off D expeditions? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I do have a couple of thoughts about it. And the first one is as far as using FT8 and FT4 over CW. I don't know that that's that big a jump because a lot of people are doing automated CW. I mean, if you're talking about actually being on a key using your fist for CW, then I can see that being much further removed from something like FT8 digital operation. But if you're just using an auto keyer or win keyer or something like that, which I don't know, somebody who's on this show might do. Um, everybody does that. Come on. <laughs> I don't see that particularly as being a problem. I, I don't see that as really any different than using FT8 if you're using like an automatic here. So then it comes down to would I want to work a piece of machinery that landed in a place and was spewing FT8 and auto contesting? Personally, I would think it's much less attractive. I mean, you know, we had a discussion where, I mean, I'm not a big contester. I'm not super interested in tracking down every DXC entity and working every place in the world. But I feel like if you're not sending people on a plane, you know, with gear and having them put up solar panels and, you know, actually putting a station online and actually manning that station, I, I think it loses something personally. And I'd be much less inclined to try and make contact with that station. So I, I guess it's an arbitrary line, but that's where I would draw it. Interesting. So, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's kind of what I thought you had, you had kind of alluded to the last time we talked about it. And, uh, it's not like this is possible. Well, technically is possible, but, uh, <laughs> we definitely know lots of D expeditions are going on. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think if anything, it makes it a lot more accessible for, uh, some stations in probably really noisy areas and whatnot to be able to use modes like FTA and FT4 to, to establish the contacts with these D expeditions so that, uh, yeah, so it is easier to work and, uh, and more accessible if, if anything, uh, to those, uh, players. And I mean, you know, I've, I've heard a million, you know, D expedition contacts on CW. And, uh, for some reason, they're always 599. So, I'm, I'm pretty certain that, uh, you know, just catching a call <laughs> and sending, sending a illegitimate signal report is probably, uh, not, uh, not as, not as crisp and clean as a, an FT8, uh, uh, that actually does report the signal reports accurately, uh, to the sender and receiver. But, uh, I guess I shall digress on that. <laughs> no, I think that's a fair point, actually. I mean, I guess the point of the signal report is to make sure it matches. So that way you know that at least the signal report was heard. But to me, it's a little more valuable if it's a real number. Just saying 5-9 or 5-9-9 to everyone who makes a contact with you is kind of pointless. Just just like to me, having a station that doesn't actually have someone at the helm is kind of pointless. It's particularly in the de-expedition world where you're actually trying to, you know, in my mind, when you activate a place, you're actually sending people with equipment, somebody's at the helm kind of thing. So the idea of... Uh, dropping an automated bot from an airplane that can connect to the satellite network and be controlled remotely to me that it just doesn't count 
is it real ham radio? Yes, it's real ham radio. Would I be interested in doing it? No, not really. Yeah. Yeah, it's real ham radio for sure. <laughs> it's just another way of doing it. <laughs> well, let's move on from this. I just, uh, I just thought it would be an interesting opener discussion topic. Well, and, and I threw in my 16 cents worth. So <laughs> there we go. Got your money's worth on this one. All right. Cheryl's probably going to not want to read a long, boring thing about the ARDC. So I'll go ahead and do this one. ARDC grant award epic FSC echo digital communications. Emergency Preparedness in Calabasas, the Fire Safety Council, also known as EPIC FSC, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Calabasas residents mitigate risks, survive the emergency event, what emergency event, and recover from fires, oh, I guess, yeah, the generic emergency event, yes. (laughs) It's written, I guess... I forgot the first half of the sentence while I was reading the second half. Never mind. And recover from fires, earthquakes, and other natural disasters. They work diligently to improve communications throughout the communities affected by the Woolsey fire at the amateur radio level in a way that extends down to residents and out to city and county served agencies. To get more amateurs using digital modes, we're trying to get more amateurs to use digital modes. (laughs) Well, I guess it is trending that way. We kind of keep talking about it. I I was so excited. (laughs) Every article. 10 meter phone like three days ago, <laughs> one contact, but I was like, Ooh, I did it. I talked to somebody. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where were we to get amateurs using digital modes and to provide effective communications over the mountainous terrain? Epic FSC wants to improve the infrastructure. The grant will help Epic FSC or Episcopal something like that. Improve critical communications during emergencies such as wildfires, earthquakes, windstorms, and widespread power outages. It will also aid the cities of Agora Hills, Calabasas, Hidden Hills, Malibu, and Westlake Village. How many amateur radio operators live in Malibu? I'm just curious. (laughs) Uh, Respond to and manage emergencies by integrating amateur radio digital communications into each city's emergency communications plan. These cities were hit hard by the recent 2018 Woolsey fire and are routinely affected by wildfires, which burn across city and county boundaries, often cutting off conventional forms of communications that rely on power, television, telephone, and internet services. These five cities cover 100 square miles of mostly mountainous terrain and are home to nearly 70,000 restaurants, residents, restaurants. (laughs) There there might be 70,000 restaurants. It's Malibu after all. The project will be carried out by the contributors. Uh, I must be hungry. <laughs> the project will be carried out by the contributors to this proposal with the help of 80 members of the LA County Disaster Communication Service in the area and several local CERT radio teams. So Episcopusk or Epic FSE received a grant of $14,106 back in September. So good money being used for all of the amateur radio operators in Malibu. <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, I added this in here just so uh, people are aware that uh, the uh, grants are starting to come out. Grant awards are starting to come out from the July filings. So, uh, so this was just one of the, one of the, one of the many that are actually there. So please, uh, please check that out. So you can kind of see uh, where the ARDC is spending their, uh, spending their money and which uh, projects they're funding for, uh, you know, for your future project that you may or may not uh, need some funding for. It uh, definitely will help you out in uh, understanding their mission and, uh, and what they're trying to do. And uh, yeah, so check that out. All right. Really cool. I may go ahead and apply for an ARDC grant for the next or the AWRL grant if they're doing that thing. I guess they are right through November something. I think so. Yes. 
Yeah. If I if I get that done, they may have it received and potentially approved by the time my duplexer actually gets here. So awesome. I, I think I'm. It might just be quicker for me to drive to Fort Worth and pick it up. But yeah, it, it's <laughs> FedEx. I'm I'm really not going to go down the what I think of FedEx rabbit hole. So let's move on to open source topics. And we're going to talk a little bit about the the brand new shiny hotness in audio subsystems for Linux. <laughs> or our Bill's going to do that at least. Yes, yes, that's our our lovely uh, lovely friend Pipewire has uh, really uh, I, I guess re- received or gotten begotten be- bequest. Uh, a new new release. Anyway, there's a new release. Uh, 0.3.60 was uh, released on uh, November 10th here, and it's uh, primarily a bug fix released. It's API and ABI compatible with the previous 0.3.x releases. Uh, I believe Pop OS is uh, currently running at 0.3.59, so it probably will receive one of these just because I know they're trying to keep the Pipewire stuff pretty, pretty current on all the distributions in order to, uh, you know, keep up and have, have the thing actually work since uh they kind of uh kind of put this in front of us but anyway the highlights of this release uh the filter chain now handles errors better and has fixes for many crashy crasher bugs many crasher bugs Inter- interesting uh, a new rtp module was added with a sender and receiver it uses sap to announce and consume rtp streams and is compatible with the pulse audio rtp modules that's kind of interesting uh many small bluetooth improvements and fixes uh, the ALSA plugin, uh, was, uh, will now only start playback when there is data. Uh, this results in better sync and lower latency between capture and playback. Uh, and if you use, uh, that, uh, QPW graph, yeah, QPW graph, you can actually see that occur because <laughs> the device will pop up and go away. Uh, anyway, uh, the V, V, the V4, is it the V4L2? I can't remember. Yeah. V4L2. Basically video cameras. Uh, uh, lib camera plugins have seen a lot of improvements. They support a uh, control properties now and the PW, uh, V4L2 has seen many improvements and mostly passes the uh, compliance test now and many, many more bug fixes and improvements. Uh, there was, yeah, several pages of stuff that, uh, was in each of these categories. So, uh, definitely check it out if uh, you're staying on the bleeding edge of pipe wire, but. I'm sure it won't be very long before it gets into uh, your distribution of uh, of choice soon. All right. Very good. I'm sure we're all, it's one of those things like we're all using Pipewire. We just don't know it yet. If, if you're running <laughs> yeah, anything modern, you you probably are. So <clears throat> it may, it may still look like Pulse Audio, but it's probably Pipewire shimmed or, or something along those lines. So, so speaking of new advancements in Linux, let's take a look at the Xanmod kernel. It's a general-purpose Linux kernel distribution with custom settings and new features built to provide a stable, responsive, and smooth desktop experience. The real-time version is recommended for critical runtime applications such as Linux gaming servers, clients for eSports streaming, live productions, and ultra-low latency enthusiasts. Supports, why don't, Why isn't everything just low latency? I mean, why have normal latency? <laughs> normal. Yeah, exactly. It, What's normal latency? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like you can have a low latency kernel, but we're not going to provide that by default. That would be silly. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> supports all recent x64 underscore 64 versions of Ubuntu and Debian-based systems. Note, the current proprietary NVIDIA, VirtualBox, VMware Workstation and Player, and some other DKMS modules do not officially support... 
PSABI and RT kernels. Oh, well, maybe that's part of the problem. So, <laughs> yeah, good, good flavor, good flavor to, to it somewhere. Yeah, maybe. So the main features of Zen Mod kernel caching, virtual memory manager and CPU freak. Get your freak on. Governor improvements. Full multi-core block layer run queue request from high IO throughput. This is a lot of gobbledy crap. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, a whole lot of other main features, blah, 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 blah. Is there anything interesting in here? Probably not. P-State driver for Zen 2, 3, and 4 processors. Futex Way TV and legacy weight underscore multiple implementation for wine. Yeah, I'm sure this is all great for somebody. So <laughs> I forgot to put the TLDR in there. I think that's yeah, what, that's what right. It needed. <laughs> so so essentially, what this is is uh, this is a kernel. Uh, well, kernel version six point zero or six point X uh, that is available um that you can actually install i actually installed it on my my pop os system here and also my uh you know pop os desktop upstairs and yeah does it does it actually uh it does make things a little bit uh, a little bit zippier i did notice a few things uh here and there performance wise was better plus it uh it gets you into the six six kernel uh, if you've been excitedly waiting for it to come to your favorite distribution, you can actually load it right up and uh, run it with uh, hopefully no issues whatsoever. <laughs> and I kind of found this, uh, kind of found this in, t- in the in the next story, uh, which is in the LHS section. So, uh, but anyway, check out Zanmod. If you're interested in uh, in putting this directly onto your Debian or Ubuntu based uh, distribution, it's really easy to get it uh, get it put put in there and uh, and use the version six of the kernel. Uh, so check out the yeah Zanmod X A N M O D Zanmod. What wasn't it a thing where we were, weren't actually supposed to use like the the odd the odd or evens which, whichever it was numbers of the kernel? It doesn't seem to follow that anymore because there was like no fours. I guess there were fours, but it rolled from three to five like really fast. I thought at some point they were they were doing just evens or odds. I don't remember, but yeah, I remember that too. But like, I don't know. Like, I know they're up to six. They're six point one and six point two branches now already. But um, I think the six dot zero one is considered stableish. I, I haven't seen I, I'm usually so many revisions behind. It's like, you know, when I get to like 5.12, everyone's on 6.3. So because I because I use Debian, you know, and they're very they're very slow in adoption of these kinds of things. So, yeah, I'm not sure. That's something I guess we could probably have to look up and do a short topic on or something like that. Like, what do these version numbers mean now? And uh, and do they have any relevancy to do we care, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Cause I see 6.1 is in RC five now. So like that, that one's there, but like version 6.0.8 has been released, um, you know, three days ago, that's the kernel release, but I don't see like, you know, this is, yeah, six six oh eight is considered stable. So it's actually a stable release. Yeah. It's Mike says, K6GTE in the chat says he just changes it when he feels like it. And yes, I mean, it is Linus and he can be as arbitrary as he likes. I just feel like there was some discussion quite a while back. I think it was in the late stages of the three kernel that the even numbered kernels were going to be like the dev kernels. Like that's what they would be working on. And then when things got stable, it would go to five. Um, yeah. But 
apparently that's not really a thing. So <laughs> it just doesn't matter. We just use whatever kernel they throw in the distro. So yeah. So yeah, if you want to try something newer, faster, shinier, well, maybe not, not necessarily faster. It could be worse for you. You never know. But uh, yeah, if you want something different, shiny, uh, try out Xanmod. Yeah. One nice thing about the modularization of the kernel, what, you know, when they went from two to three though, is the fact that kernels don't generally get slower as they advance because at least you can rip out or easily rip out the, the bloat of things you don't need. Or, you know, if things are working like in the perfect world, they don't get loaded in the first place unless you actually need it. So I guess, uh, that is what it is. So let's move on and talk about some Linux in the Hamshack stuff. And you want to roll this topic into your distribution that you want to tell us about. Yeah, because uh, this is this is kind of where I found the kernel. <laughs> it's a separate project. And I'm like, oh, I just try this because, um, well, I'll get into it. So uh, I decided to do a, a, not a distro hop, but uh, try out a different distro just for the fun of it. And this is Nitrox, Nitrox, Nitrox. Nitrux, Nitrux, sure, Nitrux. Uh, yeah, Nitrux is a Linux desktop distribution based on Debian, of course. Uh, it uses the Calamari's installer and includes the NX desktop built on the KDE Plasma 5 desktop environment and Maui kit applications. Uh, Nitrux also does not use System D as its init system. Instead, it uses OpenRC. This, this might turn on some people, you know, some people like that stuff. Uh, Nitrox emphasizes the use of app images to manage end user software. Uh, Nitrox also does. Okay. We already had said that, blah, blah. Nitrox. I, I copied this from all over the website. So <laughs> Nitrox includes a suite of convergent applications called Maui apps. We use a uh, Maui kit, our convergent cross platform UI framework to create these applications. Uh, both Maui kit and the Maui apps are entirely free and open source software. In addition to this, we include a curated selection of free and open source software by default. Uh, we don't add any proprietary software. Nitrox is always up to date thanks to using the latest Debian base to and to the effort of the KDE Neon developers who provide the latest stable, stable releases of Plasma. Nitrox also provides its users with the latest Mesa, Mesa drivers from Git and kernels optimized for intensive tasks such as gaming with Xanmod. That's why I found that, Xanmod. Uh, so, yeah, so this is... Uh, uh, Nitrox, uh, so, uh, I, uh, I was almost going to, uh, wipe my, my poor little XPS 13 as a, as a victim in this, uh, uh, update just to, just to try it out. Cause I was like, oh, this is really cool. You know, latest kernel. It's running basically the testing branch of Debian. So you're getting all the, you know, up to date latest stuff that, you know, could possibly be in a breaking condition and whatnot um but i didn't uh, because i i i just didn't like the ui stuff which i know you can change it out and stuff like that but uh, that that basically is kind of like the selling feature to, to a lot of these distros for me is a ui that uh is uh is pretty cool and uh yeah it uh you know it would work for some people but like the the big the big downer for me uh, was the fact that, uh, when I press the start button, nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I like using the window, the super key that we like to call it because we're not Windows people in uh, Linux land. Uh, the super key, when you press the super key, it should bring up something. And, uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't bring up anything by default. And they had, uh, uh, well, what that is set up to in like GNOME and stuff like that bound to a different key sequence, like a uh, flag shift 
P or something. I don't know. It was something stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was going to go around and, and fix that. Um, but then I started looking at everything else and then I just started to not like, not like it, but it is interesting. Uh, it uses, uh, the separation where it takes the top bar of all your windows by default and puts them up in the top, top bar. Kind of like Mac, I believe does that. Is that Mac OS that does that where like your file view edit stuff is all in the top bar and separated away from the window unless it's maximized? Uh, just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it does that. And I don't, I don't, I've never, I've never, ever, ever really like that. Um, so yeah, but you can change that. Of course, you can do all the other kind of stuff. And but there, there was a couple other little things I didn't like. I gave it an LHS readiness score of four, uh, only because it's just a little awkward. I think um, it wants you to use a different package manager besides apt. So it, it will take a little bit of a learning curve. I was able to kind of go through and, and get like, you know, WSJTX and CQR log and stuff like that. And those versions were, were quite, were quite nice. Obviously the WSJTX was running 2.6.0 RC5, I believe, or RC4. One of those two uh, builds was actually in the repo. Of course, it's the testing branch. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think your mileage may vary on this. So I gave it a score of 4.0. Um, you know, I, I probably going to take another, another little deeper look at it just to see if I can get past some of the other oddities. I do like the idea of having uh, something running on testing, uh, just for, uh, just for funsies, uh, because you know, just keeps everything up fresh and up to date, and you know, you're always like one, one, one update away from breaking everything and ruining your day. But <laughs> um, definitely, uh, check it out. It, it looks pretty cool. It has a you know different look and feel to it. Uh, some people might appreciate it uh, more so than I do. But yeah, check it out. Nitrox, N I T R U X. All right, sounds like. Uh, mildly interesting. Definitely something I'm probably not going to go down the rabbit hole because I don't need to learn new things right now, <laughs> which this would actually take because I, you know, I'd have to work with the new package manager and blah, 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 blah. And, oh, and figure out open RC. You know, it's like, it's like, I just got used to system D, you know, whatever. But <clears throat> that's, that's not entirely true. But okay. So let's move on. We have uh, essentially a press release to finish off our topics tonight. From Dave Slaughter, W3D something S. <laughs> DLS? No, what, what is this? I can't remember. DJS? I think that's it. W3DJS? Somebody, somebody will tell me if I'm right or wrong at some point. But So Dave Slaughter is the author of HamPy, and he sent out a press release, which says, I am pleased to announce that HamPy 3.1.1 Beta 2, the comprehensive award-winning ham radio software distribution for the Raspberry Pi, Innovato Quadro SBC, is now available for public download. There have been over 90,000 downloads of HamPi to date across the world. The reason for porting HamPi to another platform, such as the $29 Innovato Quadra, is that shipments of Raspberry Pi SBCs to hobbyists have dwindled, and in order to support the ham radio operators, I found an alternative platform, which would still serve ham's interests with the HamPi software suite of over 150 amateur radio applications. Disclaimer, I have no monetary interest in this platform or company. I have never even communicated with the platform developers except to order two units for my own use. I think we missed this one in our SBC discussion. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't recall that one. So I'm going to have to check this one out, see how it compares to... So we want to do a quick, quick look up on the Innovato Quadra. Let's see, Innovato Quadra. Let's see, what, what kind of chip is it? Is it like RISC? Is it 
Looking, 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 looking. Yeah, I know. It's an arm. Arm chip. It's, oh, so it's an arm uh, chip. So uh, it's just like a pod. Core, yeah. So buy a Quadra. Mini PC assembled with case power adapter and HDMI cable for 30 bucks. Hmm. You buy get the, now? Yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe so. And you can get a six times faster one with Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, and a USB hub for 40 bucks. And you get the upgrade kit for 10 more dollars, which includes a four-port USB 2.0 hub, dual-band Wi-Fi, and Bluetooth 4.2. Interesting. Might have to check those out. Because I'm all out of SBCs. They've all been committed to something, so <laughs> I don't have any more. And I haven't looked to see if you can buy Raspberry Pis at the moment. I'm guessing you can't unless you walk out. Be that as it may, Dave Slaughter has a new version of HamPi. So if that's the kind of way you want to go and get your HamShack set up with a Raspberry Pi instead of a regular PC, go ahead and check that out. And you might even pick up one of these Innovato Quadros to run it on. So, all right. I don't have anything else. And that's the end of our topics. So I guess we need to get into announcements and feedback. And this time around, we have two bits of feedback that come from YouTube and these are all related to Bill's videos on YouTube about installing a HamShack system on your PC. So we'll let him read them and respond as he desires. Okay, sounds good. Yes, this first comment comes uh, from Victor uh, Jose Victor Munaz uh, Garza. So, yeah, four names. Uh, this was on the LHS Distro Cubic video. He says, a nice and useful video. I'm trying to create a custom distro for a friend, and I need to change the default wallpaper at the try and install mode between other visual configurations. Is it possible to do this with Cubic? Uh, yes, it's absolutely possible. Um, but it will be different on how you accomplish it, depending upon which distribution, uh, which, which windowing environment and stuff like that you're using. Cause each one puts those default settings somewhere random, not, not random, but it's documented. So you'll have to go down the rabbit hole of, uh, of basically, uh, searching, uh, in the documentation, how to, uh, how to change that, uh, by default. And you, you normally, uh, can update, uh, uh, you can put the wallpaper in your user shared wallpapers or whatever, or something like that, something close to that. And then you'll edit a configuration file, whether that's in the skeleton or, um, or, or some other configuration file. <laughs> Again, depending upon, uh, which windowing environment, but it's definitely doable in all of them. Uh, some are easier than others, but definitely just check out the documentation. It's totally, totally doable. Uh, the second comment comes from a Robin Edmondson who actually left three comments, uh, cause he kept on finding new ones that didn't work. He was, uh, he was watching the CQR log failure to launch video. And, uh, this is the fun video. We did, uh, the three or four different distributions and only one of them worked uh, out of the box with CQR log, uh, just to show kind of, you know, a pain in the butt. Uh, it is when, uh, you know, the software doesn't actually install what you need it to install. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, uh, he says he just did this on a brand new Fedora installation and it, it, it failed. Of course it failed. Uh, also failed on Ubuntu and Linux Mint and Linux Mint also uh, Linux Mint suggests MariaDB is required first. So I tried installing MariaDB, then CQR log, CQR deleted MariaDB and replaced it with MySQL during the installation. Yes. <clears throat> yes. So you always do the MariaDB installation after, after you've installed CQR log, uh, cause that will, that will take care of that 
uh, replacement. Um, if you install MariaDB first, it will be rapidly uninstalled and replaced by MySQL DB, uh, just because, yeah, it's totally broken. Um, but yeah, I did test it on obviously, uh, uh not cubic, uh, on, on Pop OS. Uh, so I'm running that here. Uh, that one runs fine. Installing CQR log first and then installing MariaDB server. And then I also did it on 22.10. So the latest build of Ubuntu, um, same process, you know, do the CQR log first and then come back and do MariaDB afterwards. But don't, don't start CQR log at any point, uh, between until you are completely done. <laughs> with getting MariaDB installed. Because if you happen to click the the CQR log and it tries to create the directories, you'll have to go into your .config and just wipe all that out um, after you install uh, MariaDB. So it actually you know puts the right version of the files and, and whatnot in there. So your, your version will launch. But yes, so you have to follow that order. CQR log first, let it install whatever it thinks it should install, and then go ahead and do a install MariaDB.server and MariaDB-server or whatever it's called in your distribution and it should you know knock on some wood or or anything you can knock on uh yeah it should work at that point all right sounds good well hopefully that helps out and uh at this point they probably have whatever issue they had fixed but if not take that advice to heart and hopefully get your cqr log wearing working or you know you could do the other thing which is not use cqr log so yeah <laughs> no <laughs> no you must use cqr log it's the best thing ever uh, well, I don't want to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very good. Well, that brings us down to the end of our announcements and feedback. And it also wraps up the show as far as topics go. But we do have our new subscriber supporters and live participants to run through. So we'll get ahead and see if Cheryl is like still with us at this point. Wait, I was asleep. You're asleep. <laughs> okay. Well, sorry to wake you, but you do have a few <laughs> names here to read. And then we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. All right. Sounds good. So this week for our subscribers and patrons, we didn't have any and nobody joined us on Facebook, but we had four people on Twitter at Koner Dave, at Fetch872, at Froggy Man, and at K Savitz. On YouTube, we had Adonis1616. On our mailing list, we had Rodrigo Morell. For Discord, we had Kestrel87 and Pete, DL4ZAQ. And this week on the live chat, we have Mike, KG6, excuse me, K6GTE, Winston, KD2WLL, and Ted, WA0EIR. All right. Well, that brings us down to the end of the show. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in. This has been our short topics episode, which means that the next time around, episode number 490 will be a weekender. So stay tuned for that. You'll get to see what kind of random topic we get to go through next time. We we broke the streak of technical topics last time, so I have a, a gut feeling that we're going to be back to them next week, but we'll see. Well, maybe we'll be on a streak of non-technical topics now. Oh, that that would be great. But yeah, you know, it, it, it turns out that no matter what the topic is, it's always hard to talk about it because it's like spot topic you know here's the thing talk about it and like it it sounds like it's not that hard but you know try it sometime (laughs) but anyway let's go ahead and get on out of here let everybody get back to the rest of their day evening whatever it is and we'll catch you next week for the next one this has been episode number 489 of linux in the ham shack i'm russ k5tux i'm cheryl w5moo 
And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at one 909 lhs show That's one 909 547-7469 Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.